I found a plus size Korean lady I want to poke. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to follow up on that story, you can follow us on Twitter <laughs> at the John Hastings. Wait a minute, did that? No, I don't want that in the sting. <laughs> That's, good. That's going in the sting. I found a plus size Korean lady I want to poke. That's going in the sting. Say Jesus your Twitter. Christ. That's the beginning of every episode now. At Dylan Gott, D Y L A N G O double up that T. Uh, you can tweet at us for any corrections, any of that sweet stuff. Thank you so much for listening to the Wrestling Review. Here's the Vader thing. We'll talk to you in a bit. And he's gonna put it in your body. Izzy, Dylan, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome. For do you say welcome to people who are always on the show? Um, or is that, I think that's a guest thing. And uh, you <laughs> said welcome. It's like you welcomed you. <laughs> it's like you welcomed your roommate to your house. Dylan, we live together. How are you enjoying the kitchen? (laughs) Welcome to the place you pay rent in. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations. You made it back home. You live in London. That can be dangerous sometimes. Did you get stabbed? Did you see a guy humping the air for no reason? Oh, yeah. We did see a guy just (laughs) humping the air by a lake. And here's the sad thing. I've seen that guy so many times, it took Dylan noticing it for me to be like, oh, that is weird. (laughs) I love it when you just get used to something like that. You're like, yeah, yeah. That's uh, fuck the air guy. Hey, you don't know about fucking uh, uh, air air fuck Tony? <laughs> We're going to take a picture of the studio because it is, you got four leather couches. Yeah, I do. <laughs> He's got four leather couches. It's basically like a poorly made sex club. It's not, listen, based on the amount of fucking that's happened on these couches, mm-hmm. it is a poor sex club. Because I know two people have had sex on that couch. Two people have had sex on that couch. Two of my flatmates have had sex on that couch. Nice. Yeah. Together? With, no, with different people. Oh. That sucks. Yeah. Neither right. of them were me, because I'm I'm respectful of other people's possessions, and also, it's a shared area, and I don't go <laughs> in for that sort of stuff. Okay, come on, Leather, you got some problems. Yeah, man. Have you ever had... You lived with your girlfriend's parents for a long time. Did you ever have sex in places that weren't your bedroom in that house? Yeah, but we owned those places. We owned the couches and the floors. When you were growing up, did any of you... And f- the dishes <laughs> sex on all the dishes <laughs> yeah but you're a girthy gentleman the dishes in, in are dirty and so are we <laughs> oh come on the plates let's pretend it's dinner time <laughs> <laughs> i've never been more uncomfortable yeah when well because you think it's real <laughs> you think it's real based on what you get up to i i wouldn't be surprised prefer, if, if you were like let's busty and not girthy thank you I'm body positive. I'm, talk- I'm talking about your dick as a fucking girth no, machine. No, it's not. It's, oh. a, it's a tiny little kid. It is not. I've fucking been reading. It's your mini Vader. I've been reading about your OK Cupid reviews, and it's Mantar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <you get> it <laughs> barely fits <laughs> between the ropes. Yeah, it's Mantar. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a ba- I'm bad at sex. <laughs> it's, it's, it's huge, but very disappointing. <laughs> and <to> boring. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's impressive in what it does. But still unenjoyable to watch. Yeah, you look back on it way more fondly than you view it at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's put it this way. They put Jim Cornette with your penis just to give it something. Did Jim Cornette go with Mantar? Yeah, he was Mantar's manager briefly. 
specifically because it was funny to the people in power. It was funny to like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, who were basically Jesus running. Christ. Imagine you're that wrestler. Like this is your dream. You've dreamt about this. You grew up watching SD Jones and Don the Rock Morocco. And you get there and they're like, you're going to be mentor. And he's like, great. I'm a large man. I, I love, love you. I love bison. Oh, by the way, we just did this to make ourselves laugh slash being boring. So your dreams, we just literally I shit mean, on if them. If you grew up watching SD Jones and be like, that's what wrestling is, then I'm assuming getting mantar would be like, this is pretty much in line with what I liked when I was a kid. So I grew up, the only wrestler I truly love is SD Jones. I grew up watching Barry Horowitz. And why are they booking me like no. this? <laughs> Guys, I remember watching Kofi Kingston circa 2012, oh and yeah. I knew I wanted to get into the wrestling <laughs> biz. People are like that now, though. Are they? Do they Man, believe they can fly? A 10-year-old started out watching Kofi Kingston is now 19. I don't know how people... Anyway, we're not we're not here to talk about what's going on in wrestling now. We're here to talk about a particular wrestler we enjoy, because the show's called The... Wrestler Review. Oh, we're reviewing wrestlers, Dylan. We did it. Let's touch our dicks and dock. Talk about rolling up the rim. <laughs> you can use that, only Canada. Um, so, guys, we're going to be reviewing the Enforcer Arn Anderson. Double A R Anderson of the Stud Stable. The Studs. Of the Four Horsemen. Of dressing like he works in a hardware store because he lost his <laughs> job in IT. Who's that guy drinking with your dad? Well, it's his friend Arn, who looks like he had some troubles in the war. One of the least physiqued performers. No, he was pretty, like, he, uh, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, he's not, not, he's not that much of a slob. I watched, getting ready for this, I watched Barry Windham versus Arn Anderson for the NWA title. And let me tell you, Arn Anderson makes Barry, like, Barry Windham makes Arn Anderson look like he's on steroids. Like, Barry, Barry oh. Windham looks like he's, like that guy who stopped working out 10 years ago. Barry Windham is a, and he looks like he Barry Windham has a the body I would have if I didn't work out but wrestled every night. Yeah, like Barry Windham like, like it looks like melted cheese. According to the many shoot interviews I watched so I can fall asleep, Barry Windham essentially was this guy will definitely be the NWA champion. All he needs to do is not drink all the time and go to the gym like once or twice a week cuz he is such an oh uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. He was a great wrestler, but he just was not like he did did not look intimidating whatsoever. He didn't look intimidating. He also didn't do anything to help himself look intimidating. Like if he was fucking muscular, if he tried to have some personality. Like he's a guy that you could have put in a cowboy hat and it would have kind of worked because his fucking name is Barry Windham. He could have been the first Jewish cowboy. Hailing <laughs> well, from Jerusalem, Texas. Time to lasso your foreskins. He was a cowboy. New, B- new Blackjacks. Bro. Oh, I forgot about the New Blackjacks. Bradshaw and Wyndham. And West Texas Rednecks. He was a fucking cowboy like three times But over. I'm talking about in the time when he would have been And he was in cowboy boots when he wrestled Arn when he had the NWA title. All right. Your point like is real proven. fart, guys. Your point is proven. I'm just saying that Barry Wyndham... Barry Wyndham reminds me of like... No, not exactly. But he's kind of like... It sounds weird, but he's kind of like Chris Hero in that way. But with way more opportunity, because if there was like a just wrestling company, Chris Re- Chris Hero would be like the one of the top guys. Yeah, it would have been he's like fucking fantastic. It'd be Chris uh, Chris Hero v Christopher Daniels circa two thousand and four every night. Ugh. And then they would not be allowed to do promos, or the entire audience would be like, "Why are we sleeping? Why has that man <laughs> got an unk tattooed on his neck?" Hey, listen, Christopher Daniels and Chris Hero, great, great promos. 
Chris Hero is a fucking awesome promo. Is he? He's fucking awesome. Is he? I love it. Do you? Yes. All right. Well, we're getting sidetracked. We need to talk about one of the greatest promos of all time, Mr. Ron Anderson. I think he's my favorite wrestler. For long, I've always thought Van Vader. I love Arn Anderson. From let's just sort of talk about okay, so start. He works off, on many different levels. I will Min- say that Minnesota boy, one of the sort of the last of the uh, the wrestling family, the Andersons, none of whom were related. Nope. Uh, started with I believe Gene, then goes down to Oli. Uh, I think there was a fucking another one, uh, and then down uh, into uh, Arn, part of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, which cousin Ric Flair, cu- and the cousin of Ric Flair. They said, yeah, they claimed uh, Ric Flair's best friend, and from all intents and purposes. Seems like the guy who's like, no, don't put on your robe. No, don't take out your dick. Okay, I'll go call my my wife. Um, I'm sure our narrator said that. That's the thing about the way he looks is he just looks so like, and the way he talks too is so almost. It sounds weird to say for a wrestler, but like unassuming that you would think. I guarantee our Anderson's killed a woman, and no one believes it because when he did, he's like. Well, she just I showed up and she was dead. Of course she was, Arn. Well, probably tried to help her. I, I agree is that he's so unassuming that when you see him in a group of guys, and also he was always put over as the fucking watch out for this guy. Like, yeah. it was, it's an amazing example of commentators acting like, all right, everyone watching this, I know that that guy doesn't look like he's dangerous compared to the Road Warriors. Yeah. But seriously, fucking be careful. And then he would do something in the ring like Spinebuster Hawk after three years of that guy never getting off his feet. And you'd be like, how the fuck did that guy do that to that guy? Yeah. Oh, my God, this guy's a fucking menace. But it's also weird. Like, all right, so if we go through his career, I mean, well, where does he start out? First came to prominence in the NWA, uh, tagging with... uh, uh, Ole Anderson, sort of how he broke in was being the youngest and newest member of the Anderson family. He was there to replace Gene Anderson, who retired. Immediately in the balding. Imme- mostly balding. Not he looks young balding, which was weird. Yeah, that's the thing also with Arn Anderson is you do have to remember he's in his mid-twenties when the uh, horsemen are going on, and oh my God, do all of those guys look older than we do, and we're both 30. Like, <laughs> fucking Tully and Arn look like they just filed for their oh my like, God. free Tully bus Blanchard. passes. Yeah, Tully Blanchard does not look. No, Arn Anderson always had this kind of, like, unassuming... It sounds weird because he was always a heel. Not always a heel, but in the 80s, definitely. But he just had this, like, unassuming, like... He just kind of looked like you're, like, a family friend. Like, he never looked... But there was a du- there's a darkness. He looks fucking. T- I always thought he looked tough. He looked a bit like a that little bully. But he also was one of those guys who were like, I feel like this guy can back it up. An amazing promo. He was the person who coined the phrase uh, "the four horsemen" by saying, "Not since the four horsemen of the apocalypse have a group of people come together uh, to do so much destruction in such a little amount of time." Uh, he came up with the four fingers. He was Ric Flair's sort of enforcer guy, and it completely came across. Even though Ric Flair is a more athletic, taller guy. Arn Anderson still came across as like, yeah, this is the fucking dirty work fixer. Yeah. So while fucking Ric Flair's fucking people or whatever, this guy's in the back just like beating the shit out of Hulk Hogan's <laughs> ankle and then like scurrying off and having a beer. Um, his career was cut short after uh, an injury sustained in the ring with uh, Lex Luger that caused him to have um, nerve damage in his neck. And I think truly, you know, I he's never going to be the fucking champion. You could never make that guy your champion. I think he could. 
the way that re- the way the wrestling was in the time he was, it was all body guys. But he was the perfect person to be the number two of your heel stable, to be the guy you fed to the baby face as he's on the rise. Yeah. Of this guy who looked fucking amazing. He legitimately fucking tough. Like I remember him facing Hulk Hogan. And they're, you're in the back of my fucking eleven year old mind, being like, "This, this is gonna be a problem," and that's an amazing. I think he's just an amazing wrestler for that. His promos. Let's talk about the Johnny B. Bad promo at Uncensored '94, where he's facing Johnny B. Bad. I'm closing my eyes because I love it so much. <laughs> um, where he faces Johnny B. Bad in a boxer versus wrestler match. To answer your next question, horrendous. It ends with uh, with Johnny Bad putting a bucket on Arn Anderson's head and punching it, because as we oh no it was a disqualification because Arn Anderson DDT'd him because that's what happens. <laughs> well, because he was supposed to just chain wrestle him. Yeah, or something. I don't. Even, it was fucking WCW booking. It's fucking insane. This is the same pay per view that had a strap match on it between Vader and Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan won when he dragged Ric Flair around the the corners. Like it's fucking mental. Yeah, but that was the Hogan era of like, uh, okay, cool, we got to establish me, but you're Hulk Hogan, we got to establish me further. <laughs> yeah, that type of thing. But anyway, but here's how the but how the character, the thing. I, all right, well, we'll talk. No, we got to talk about Johnny B. Bad because I remember this is the funny thing was my cousin had, pardon me. The that cousin that had was cable. my dick. That my dick me, just coughed, Dylan. That was me coming. Um, the <laughs> my cousin Ed Cable, and that was I, we talked about this in the Bossman episode. But this is when I was like, "Oh my god, other wrestling!" Yeah. And the first match that I watched was Johnny B. Bad versus Arn Anderson for the TV title, and it went to a time limit draw. And I was like, "Johnny B. Bad almost got him." Yeah. Johnny B. Bad was like, "Who is for for eight year old Dylan God?" I was like, "Who is this new star?" Yeah, because I need a T-shirt and I need it oh, now. Johnny I'm feeling bad. bad. I was all about him for a long time. The, the like just the idea that his trunks were different. You're like, what the fuck? He's wearing a cape, <laughs> and he's they made him look exact. It's weird to be like, That's what be- if Little Richard was a boxer? Go with it. Like yeah. it's just. Do we have any black guys? No, we got a white guy that we could paint. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> uh, and then he met up with Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson, at, uh, uh, Uncensored 1994, does a promo that is tattooed in my mind. Let me describe it for you. Camera comes up. Are they in the arena? In the locker room. Fuck your mother if you think that's true. They're not. They're in the forest on top of a hill. A truck pulls up. Basically, right now, you're thinking, did someone just beat the shit out of the stuntman during a a Jeep Grand Cherokee commercial? Yes, they did. And his name, the enforcer, Arn Anderson. And he gets out, and it's about five minutes long, and just talks about how he's going to beat the piss out of Johnny B. Bad. <laughs> and then there's a weird edit, and it comes back to him, and he's doing his throat-cutting uh, motion, and then he walks away, but doesn't get back into his car, which is my favorite thing, which is like, this is how much I hate Johnny B. Bad. I've driven out into the woods to leave my truck here. My kids are walking to school because I'm going to be too busy beating the shit out of this white man who's blacking up. That's right. Arn Anderson doesn't <laughs> go for racism. That's the <laughs> subtext of that. Is that Arn Anderson, a Minnesota man, we've all been to Minnesota, and we know what they think about black people. They don't care about him. He's broken those boundaries, and him and his brother, uh, Oli, tag champs, now he's brought away from Oli so he can buy more stuff from Mark's work warehouse, stole a truck, <laughs> driven to the woods, found a camera, let Johnny be bad, no, now he's walking into the woods, find his dinner. He doesn't need a bow and arrow to kill a deer. He just spine busters him off a fucking tree. DDT. One, two, three. <laughs> Brian Pillman's now in the Four Horsemen. That's just another thing. Anyway, 
But that's the thing. That's why I really like – this is the weird thing, but I feel like it's a missed opportunity with Arn Anderson. Um, I mean, you could talk about WCW missed opportunities all day. But in the 80s, he's – Not f- booking – um, I was gonna say three count stronger. There's the only missed opportunity I I'll, can think of. We could talk three count another time off air. I love three count. Certainly do. When they d- made the Wonderful. addition of, of uh, T- Tank Abbott, Tank Abbott, and he stood in a triangle where they stood in circles. It was the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. He was really like, I didn't like Tank Abbott in three count. I thought it pulled away from three count. I love three count. Anyway, every wrestle crap person who puts three count in there can go fuck themselves. Uh. Arn Anderson missed opportunity because for me watching it, I could never view him as a heel because it was just like these perfect men against this like tough doughy guy mm. who elicits so much th- sympathy because as soon as he's like he bumped so well and it was just like the way everyone else worked was so like bodybuilder style. Yeah. That the, he the way he was like the only guy who I believed was in a fight. Yeah, or like he believed he was the way he stomped, like the way he stomped, like you said it off air, but like he's kind of like an old, like a older. He worked the way Stone Cold did. It was like punch, yeah, punch kick, punch kick, punch kick. Um, way more psychology. And when I I watched the Andersons versus the Rock and Roll Express, and it was like the way they work the leg. It's not like a guy working a leg. It's like they're trying to fucking fuck this guy's leg over. Yeah, like they he there was a real believability and commitment to his work. And I just think, like, he really hit stride, and it sounds weird, but it really hit stride when he got older because he finally kind of accepted that he was this older guy. I mean, and you can't you can't have a guy, like, it sounds stupid, but you can't have, when you're dealing with people who are, like, 6'5 and 400 pounds being your big guys, you can't have a guy who's, like, the enforcer and, like, just an, just an in-shape Wendell Clark. Completely. So before we just trace his whole career... Leading up to his unfortunate injury, there was one other thing I wanted to bring up, and let's fucking hope to God I haven't forgotten it. Oh, it was right off. Fuck you, John. Fuck you in the ass. I'm going to say his spine buster against The Undertaker at that WrestleMania oh. was the greatest fucking thing. Before we get to that, th- that's still what I was going to say. Really, still an this amazing is, spine buster. This is the thing I was going to say off mic, which was <laughs> the fact that he, essentially his style, going on what you said, he wrestled like Stone Gold. He essentially wrestled like every ECW wrestler, which yeah. was, it's a strong character. He comes in, he's got about... He's got a giant move. So he has a much bigger move set than a lot of people. I don't, but I, don't, he has, I just want to say I don't necessarily agree with this because he's clearly better than everyone in ECW. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is he's a much better wrestler than other people in ECW. But they all lifted the style of he was basically a brawler who could do a shit. To a, he was just a hot shit yeah. fucking wrestler. But it would always came down to there was about five moves he would hit that looked fucking devastating. Yeah. He could hit on anyone, like the DDT, the Spine Buster, and stuff like that. And that was essentially, and I don't think on purpose, I think a lot of people wrestled that way, but that was lifted, and it's essentially the entire Attitude Era, which is you're always looking for that fucking Spine Buster, that DDT, and when someone kicked out of it, because they looks like that fuck, no one hits the fucking Spine Buster like he did. And I'm talking to you fucking Batista, with your double-A fucking bullshit. But that's the thing, though. Like but to go into what exactly you're saying, that Spine Buster that hits on The Undertaker, it's fucking crazy, and also it's weirdly believable even though Arn Anderson looks like a golf pro just fucking jumped the railing at the Sky Dome and attacked the bikers that were trying to take over the <laughs> Caddyshack. It legit looks like 
the tough guy at your neighborhood bar fighting these bikers who are now drinking there. Oh, like that's and you know the guy has no chance, but he's gonna give it his goddamn all because he's Craig. All right, his wife and him have been having problems time forever. You be the bike. Uh, you be uh, the bike. Uh, you be Aaron Anderson. I'll be the bikers in the bar. This is like a rap skit. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, oh, we gotta we gotta run a train, Red Dog. That's right, Blackface. Oh, Vanessa's. Uh, why won't she call? Why are you talking about your woman? You should just fuck her like we do because we're in a biker gang. You don't understand. She wants me to pick up oranges always with the fucking oranges. Oranges are for homos, man. Are you a fucking homo? Because we don't like those people drinking in our bar because we're bikers. I am not gay. I would never be gay. Based on those... Inferring I'm I'm a 45-year-old fucking man and I will fuck you like i don't fuck my wife i will fuck every inch of you you oh, based on those red shorts you're wearing you are gay because we're bikers and uneducated so, so why, why i can't a guy can't dress up for halloween every day of his life because i can't i can't be a wrestler every day of my life if you're going to halloween as a guy who loves cum then yeah and not lady cum which we get even though we're not gay even though i've kissed that man i'm just saying you look like you're gay and as we all know gay is bad spine buster <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing about Wait the a minute, did he say spinebuster <laughs> to the bikers or did he just do a spinebuster to one of the bikers well you gotta listen back and uh, listen for the inference um it's, it's a layered rap skit uh but that's the thing the spinebuster the torque he gets and it's a completely safe bump it's a great move oh i love it all right let's let's go back let's reverse the tape it's the swinging 80s. Um, Arn Anderson, originally part of the original Horseman, with who's the original Horseman? Can you name them all? Oh, geez. Arn Anderson, uh, Tully, Rick, James J. Dillon. It's the manager. There's a fourth one. What? There's a fourth Horseman. J.J. Dillon doesn't count. He's the manager. Yeah, I said Rick, Arn, Oli. Oh, I didn't hear Oli. Tully. Yeah, and J.J. Jones. And then who comes after uh, Oli? Uh, Wyndham? I thought it was Lex Luger and then Wyndham, actually. No, I think it was Wyndham and then Luger. And then and then you get into your Paul Romas and your Sid Dishes. Well, yeah, and your Stings. Let's not forget the time Sting was in it. It's so fucking stupid. So fucking stupid. Anyway, but... um, um So then he's in there... Um, fucking raising all sorts of hell. Big feud with the uh, the Road Warriors. Big feud with the Rock and Roll Express. There's a giant pay problem uh, between Jim Crockett and Tully but and Arn. Th- all right, that's the thing. Just to speed up, Ole Anderson has this thing about him. I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe it's to do with all the. I mean, this I can't say that doesn't affect me the way I color Ole Anderson. Hearing every wrestler complain about him. But Ole Anderson has this thing where it's like, look at this fucking piece of shit. Like, I don't know. He just... Ole Anderson looks like... There's, there's two types. There's bald guys who elicit d- sympathy. Like, guys who look like Arn Anderson with the bald guy in the beard. Who elicit sympathy because they remind you of, like, a family... F- for me, at least. They remind you of a family friend. They remind you of, like, a gentle... Honestly, he looks like a gentle uncle. Yeah. Who's like... Yeah, he just looks like a guy who make like it sounds weird, but he sounds like when I was a child, it would make me feel like safe to be in a public place with that guy. Versus Ollie Anderson, who looks like oh the lights are off, I think mom's getting punched. Here's the difference: Arn Anderson is the person you tell about your mom's domestic abuse over her new boyfriend. 
Ole Anderson is the new boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. 100%. <laughs> yeah. He just has this thing. And I think it's because when I watched a match, it was like Ole Anderson's a lot like bigger than Arn Anderson. Yeah, he's the, he's the fucking weirdest big shoulders ever. He looks like they're trying to attack his neck. <laughs> he looks like a fucking farmer. Yeah, he's... Are you wearing three babies as a backpack, Oli? <laughs> yes. Well, that's just my that's my sides. That's um, why I can't fit in the car. Also, Oli Anderson, giant racist. Something you should know. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just a giant. Like, that's probably the way I call him. Racist, but and just a terrible idiot. Do you know what he said to Ric Flair when Ric Flair came back? What? So Ric Flair comes back after this big run in the WWF. They're 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 just now going national. The NWA hadn't been national, and so he's the only star that has name recognition on both coasts. Mm-hmm. And Oli's like, we're not putting you on TV for six months. You lost to Kurt Henning last week on Raw. Can't can't use you. And Ric Flair got him fired, which led to the hiring of Eric Bischoff. That's fucking such a backwards idiot. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, he can't. Re- I'm just talking about the character now. I like, No, I am. I, I But I think the character bled in is that he was. Tough, dirty asshole. And then it's like this thing came across where it's like, okay, he's teaching his. What's it like, nephew? He's a nephew. Yeah. yeah, to be this tough, dirty dick, and I guess he is, but it's just like there's just something that doesn't come across as bad with Aaron Anderson, and I don't, and that's not, and that's not to disparage the man as far as the way he performed, because obviously he's a great performer, but it's just like there's something about him for me at least that I ne- never clicked as a heel. It, I would, I would. Like he would slam a door on a ca- on the guy in a cage, like. A, guy's head in the cage and I would always think like of Arn as the underdog maybe it was because I was raised on WWF I think it's also one of those things where his size does play a huge factor in it which is he is this little guy and because he is being a son of a bitch you're kind of like yeah but you'd need to be with that again there's an intangible factor to this guy as a performer where you he was always a heel he was always like part of the fucking shitty heel group whether it was the stud stable the four horsemen Ric Flair's minder he was always like the fucking dirty bastard but there's something yeah. about it that you do elicit sympathy from him even though there's not a lot of times where he got the shit kicked like i can't like besides the nwo he's like yeah every time he got sick shit kicked out of him by the nwo it was like look what they're doing to this poor man and also holy fuck could he did it look like he was getting the shit kicked out of him yeah even in fucking matches like he just fucking bounce around and not in like a Shawn michaels v hulk hogan at SummerSlam way but in a way of like that guy just threw Arn Anderson across the fucking ring and he fucking bounced. What's going on? Arn, put on your weird letterman jacket like you just <laughs> won a bowling trophy and get out of there. Yeah, I that's the and that cuz when he moves into his single run, I think that's the early 90s. All right, we're skipping. Like a, There's just a tag wanna... specialist. Well, he's a ta- All right, well, he's a tag specialist in the NWA. Then they go to WWF. But the, the, the they, go to the, they go to the WWF as a brainbuster because of payment from Jim Crockett. He misses he misses Ric Flair in W because he's not like basically aligned with Ric Flair for like two years because he basically goes to WWF and then Flair goes to the Fed and then Arn basically switches back to WCW. Yeah, they go back to WCW and they're coming back as the brainbusters. It's gonna be this whole thing. Yeah, Tully pest- tested positive for cocaine. Turner <laughs> wouldn't let him come back. <laughs> Why would you test Tully Blanchard for cocaine? Yeah, it's like testing me for chicken. Like it's just <laughs> too fucking it's positive. Like who yeah. gives a fuck? Tully, are you on cocaine? I mean, yeah, you didn't need to ask. <laughs> you mean right now? Because yes, <laughs> and that's the funny thing about uh, cocaine. This was in the wake of uh, probably no UFC fans out there, but the John Jones. You positive the cocaine goes through your system in like twelve hours, so literally they just did. <laughs> he like did cocaine like so recently. I really it was probably he was like, well, I am in a toilet. 
<laughs> they literally tested cocaine for cocaine and Tal- cocaine <laughs> positive. They like, you know, like, all this cocaine's testing positive for Tully Blanchard. Are you drinking cocaine? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What's your problem? I, like, how do you ingest the cocaine? Well, my shirt is made of cocaine. <laughs> Where did you get a cocaine shirt? Uh, well, if I run out of cocaine, I just lick any card in my wallet or bill. <laughs> or my wallet. Because yeah. it's all mostly Or my coke. car. I've licked my car and I've gotten high. So that's what caused the single run for Arn. Where that just essentially comes off to me. I don't know. This is because it's not about Arn, but that essentially comes off to me like fuck Tully Blanchard. <laughs> they just like fuck this I've, guy. I always fucking hated Tully because the other problem with Tully Blanchard is he was sort of touted as like he's the tech t- the t- the tactician. Fuck you, John. He's the technician and like this great yeah. wrestler. He's not that exciting to watch. He's got ter- His body is terrible looking. But that's what I like about Tully Blanchard isn't like Arn Anderson looks likable and I think honestly it comes down to his soft jawline and puffy cheeks. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a sweet little boy. Yeah, he looks like a sweetie. And Tully <laughs> but Tully Blanchard totally looks like that. He looks like the dude in the bar aggressively hitting on a girl grabbing a wrist. Yeah. And then she walks away and then he's like fucking cunt like to the whole bar. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Tully and then and he Arn, looks like he thinks he's hot shit. Like he looks like that guy. And then Arn, this is what Arn does. Arn comes in and goes, "Hey man, that woman's not a cunt." We don't speak about women that way. And then Tully's like, do you want to do some cocaine? And Arn's like, not me. And he's like, I already did a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> I got this drug test. Don't I hope get me they're wrong. Testing me. I feels like, it looks like Arn Anderson would throw down for some cocaine. Oh, Arn Anderson for sure loves cocaine. He keeps it in his beard, but he also knows if I'm getting <laughs> drug tested, I'm not going to do it the moment before. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, his whole, Arn's career is, and I'm sorry to get sidetracked, but I just came to We're allowed to get sidetracked. Ar- Arn's, Arn's career. Comedy first, wrestling second. This Ingram is not Broad's comedy. Third. I just mean, this is like, Arn seems like the kind of guy who. Uh, he fingering Broad's third? Who the fuck am I? Third. You don't yeah. finger him, you dick him. We're grown ups. <laughs> fuck fingering. Get out of here. Put your dick in there. Then <laughs> it feels full good for both of you. Or me more than her, probably. <laughs> But anyway, Arn, Arn seems like the type of guy who like really was helped by how respected he was in the locker room. Yeah, because like he was the undertaker of WCW, where it's like just the amount of respect he had. Basically, that's why all the commentators put him over. Like he was the guy, he was the most respected guy in the locker room. There was Flair, but Flair was almost this like it sounds weird, but Flair was this like upper echelon guy who New Regime came in and kind of fucked with the way he was booked. Mm. Whereas Arn. It had this thing where it was like a tag champ, upper mid card, and then he's the singles run, TV champ, up still upper mid card, still booked solid. Like you, you people forget he like he was he was the guy who was like all right let's put him with the renegade and try and get the renegade over. He beats he feuds with Flair and beats Flair. That's yeah. huge. I remember that from when I was a kid. And then basically still upper mid card, still respected, gets injured, and that's when he tails off. Like, he tails off when he gets injured, which is totally believable. Like, he gets beat up every week by the NWO, but he's injured. And the thing is, and when he gets beat up in the NWO before he's injured, he's an old man. So it's like, it's this, like, natural progression of an athlete's career where it's, like, basically in the 10th year of it, of you viewing him, he kind of curtails off because it's fucking been 10 years. And actually, going to your point... And that doesn't happen enough. He's the guy who sent out during the whole Brian Pillman thing. Yeah. You know, the famous match with him and Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. Where it's a... Where Pillman... It's the, I respect you, and he yeah. just goes, I respect you, Booker Man, and walks out. I don't know how true this is, but there's lore that... The reason why Arn walked out there dressed like a fucking 
asshole from like a fucking looks like he was digging a ditch on the cover of a Ralph Lauren catalog yeah. is that he wasn't supposed to wrestle. He was just in the back and they ran up to him and they're like, can you just go out there and have a match? We need to fill time, which is why he kind of walks out there and it's a very confused, weird paced match. It's very interesting to watch. And I think speaks to your respect is they were using that to work everyone because of course you just go and get Arn Anderson. Also WCW is fucked. They would fly everyone to pay-per-views even if they weren't on it and you were expected to go. That's so stupid. Isn't that fucking ridiculous? I mean, I get it. Kind no, you you got to have like do you get three people who you trust to be yeah, like but you like, they would literally like the entire cuz Randy Papo, Macho Man Randy Savage's brother, he was contracted for five years and he wrestled zero times he would just go to nitro and hang out with his brother but that seems like a macho man thing that's but like you're number two or three in the company you get your brother a job like yeah but at a certain point you have to, you get your brother a job where he doesn't have to fucking show up i would fucking love lanny poffo's match notes like here's what you could have done you could have just pissed on him <laughs> Pee your pants a bit and then he Arr. puts his hand down your pants and then you smell the pee and then you both come I'm the genius. Is this a good genius impression? I feel like I'm kind of hitting it. <laughs> Did you know that Spider-Man is real? He's a character I came up with for my brother, the Macho Man. Is that a good poffo? Do I have my first good impression? <laughs> is Lanny Poffo the genius? Even the wrestling world is niche. <laughs> Do you remember the Beverly Brothers? Lanny Poffo is not niche in the wrestling world. He certainly is. He's almost Billy Jack Haynes level with his like... He is not Billy Jack Haynes level. In a fight, the no. top elbow drop in, would actually work. In, <laughs> in terms of insanity... I came up with the double axe handle when a woman said no to me on a date. <laughs> I double axe handled her. Randy said, stop doing that. Our father said, that's a good idea for a move. Have a match against this woman. I'll be the referee. Oh, I turned on the woman. Let's have sex with her. <laughs> what the fuck, man? What? I make a lot of uh, non-consensual sex jokes, and I'm very <laughs> really sorry for this. Do. If we're ever going to get emails from people that are disapproving of the content of the podcast, it is going to be this Up episode about five Arne. years ago, you could... You it's three. It's three years ago. Oh, for the the woman on a pole match, and then you own the woman. Oh, that that's coming back. They'll do that again soon. The Divas Revolution. That would be amazing if they were like Divas Revolution didn't work out. All the Divas are now managers. <laughs> the New Day own three of them, and then Vince writes a horrible thing. You know that that's been pitched every week. Like Vince walks in. Yeah, guys, all right here. Divas on a pole match. Uh, Vince, uh, we actually have caught up to the rest of society and we're treating women as equals because they're definitely our equals. Shut up. Sh they're more equal. You can't put a man on a pole. <laughs> <laughs> it would stretch out his asshole. Well, their vaginas will fit perfectly into yeah. it. Oh, yeah. The poles are in there. Um. Um. Okay, back to Arnest. So Arnest comes back to WCW. We got sidetracked. He futzes around. Flair comes back. They do the Flair for Gold segments. It's building towards a Hollywood Blondes uh, feud with Ric Flair um, and Arnest and V the Hollywood Blondes. They break up the Hollywood Blondes. Arn apparently is fucking livid about this because he has no fucking direction. This leads to sort of the whole summer of like the Shockmaster, the Bulldogs there briefly, all that sort of stuff. Eventually lands with the Stud Stable. Hulk Hogan comes in. 
Um, and Everything gets fucked for three years before. It's amazing. And then Hulk Hogan and, and uh, feuds with Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Ric Flair playing. And this is the part. This is when I started to love Ric Flair. He or um, Arn Anderson. Is he played their fucking dirty heavy? He was the fucking guy. Like Hulk Hogan. For all you can say about Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan did sell for Arn Anderson. He Arn Anderson did almost beat him in a match. There's some match where our, I think Hulk Hogan got disqualified or something like that, where Hulk Hogan had to get a check. Like it was a whole fucking thing. But that's the other thing about Arn is that what comes across in his matches is like you better fucking take this guy seriously. Yeah, because it's like. You look at this guy, he's unassuming, but then he starts, then the match starts, and you're like, oh, this guy will just beat the shit out of the guy if he's not selling for him. Yeah, he's... Because, make no mistake, if you come up with Ole Anderson, you know the fucking, like, you know, like, if you can turn a top, if a guy gives you his top wrist lock, you're gonna make, you're like, okay, well, then maybe, oh, you're not selling for me? Maybe this match ends because I break your fucking wrist. And you tapped out. And you tapped out. You're the only guy since fucking 1920 to tap into a top wrist lock. Because yeah. I can make that happen. I know three things. My name is Aaron Anderson. I like to drink and drive. <laughs> I like to go to hardware stores. That's already three. Drink and drive is one thing. It's an activity. Wait a minute. Drinking and driving is... Sweet. I know my... All right. I know three things. My name is Aaron Anderson. I dr- my name is Aaron Anderson. I drink and drive. I like hardware stores. Uh, that's two. That's two now, somehow. I'll break your wrist. I'll break your wrist. But drinking driving is one is one activity. He's literally driving a car and drinking beer at the same time. He doesn't like to drink beer in one place. He likes to drive to the next town <laughs> just in case there's bikers there and he also but needs to spine bust. I will say this. Arn Anderson is a great example of a gu- a character who's kept strong throughout his career with the exact same match formula, which is tit for tat essentially. Yeah. They go back and forth. Announcers are like this guy's dangerous. He loses. Every loses. match. Every fucking match. Every fucking match he loses. Um, He's the only guy to win a title by losing. Which one do you... That's not true. I just said that. Stop rubbing the microphone on your dick. Man balls. Um, but... Your dick and balls are all in the front like that? Yeah, it's like I I'm, I'm mash them together. Your balls don't hang down? Hmm? How small are your balls? I have very long balls and I have to rest them. That's why I cross my legs. Otherwise, they get... Like they rub against my taint. Why don't you wear like um, supportive undergarments? I am. Are you really? Yeah. Well, we're boxer briefs now. Because my balls would always like get <laughs> on my taint. <laughs> oh, they get heated up by your Can taint. Can we delete this? I don't want. No, I'm not deleting it. I'm sending it to all the girls you're tagging. <laughs> no, there's 50 of them. I'm a sex guy. <laughs> but, Anderson. nope. We're liable, but <laughs> yeah. it always ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. It's pretty good, but you're a loser if you do it. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. And there's always three other guys associated with you when it's happening. But he was the only guy who was always booked like that. Oh, so it's like no matter who it was, and it works. It works really, time. really well. He's the enforcer. You'll beat him, but it's gonna be hard. He's the fucking UFC says this all the time, but gatekeeper. He's a gatekeeper guy. It's very important to beat him. Mm. There's there's specific the UFC. It's it sounds weird, but the UFC the way it's booked is set up like an uh, like a seventies wrestling company because it's like if you're like a welterweight, let's say you beat this guy, you're in the top ten. Yeah. If you beat this guy, you're in the top five. If you beat this guy, then it's then it's a title match. And that's how it's like basically booked. And the reason why that works is because the gatekeeper fucking wins three times out of four. 
And Arn Anderson's just like that. When he would win, when he would beat a guy, he would beat the fucking shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Like he would just dominate the match and like reel but never fall down. And for a guy that size, that works really well. It's just the site, and this sounds everyone always says this, but the psychology of his character and the psychology of his matches is absolutely perfect. Now let's get to for that type of character, but you can't do that with everyone. As like recently as the, what they did with the fucking open challenge. With John Cena, well, everyone was like almost beating him and then handshake. Like, no, he should crush people. And then when you almost beat John Cena, that means something. Correct. Yeah. Now let's get to one of the most interesting and impactful uh, parts of Ric Flair. Flair. Yeah, fuck you. Arn Anderson. Thank you. Arn Anderson's career, which is his retirement. No, the thing with the glasses. When he starts wearing glasses. Oh my God! When he starts looking, when he starts like being old life. man, when he starts being like push oh. the glasses up. Well, I don't know nothing. He starts being Morgan Freeman janitor character. <laughs> I don't know nothing about nothing. But that's that's coupled with when he retires, which was I oh, remember. 100%. I remember watching that and being like, "Holy!" Like I was like, "If this is," because I was like, "This is fucking. This has to be real." I it fucking got to me. I remember because it was this great angle of Will Kurt Henning signed with the Four Horsemen. Will he go NWO? And Arn Anderson literally is retiring and they kind of played it like he can't wrestle the only thing this man who looks like a gerbil with a drinking problem <laughs> wants to do yeah. is drink rye in his cadillac and spine buster people on a mat and he can't <laughs> do it anymore and so he's gonna give it to the only person who deserves it another minnesota boy with the hair he always dreamed of ponytail he still got it on top <laughs> Kurt Henning, which leads to the NWO impression of it, leads to the war games, leads to Kurt Henning turning on the NWO, what I think was the last... Turning on Four Horsemen. T- turning on the Four Horsemen, and I think the last fucking emotional fucking booking. I remember that Starcade. That was going to finally be Ric Flair. Um, or no, it was the World War Three when it was Ric Flair, Kurt Henning. I remember I was like, I got to get this pay-per-view. Because I'm like, this, is, this guy betrayed not only Rick, he betrayed Arn. Arn can't get in the ring beat the piss out of him yeah flair's gonna fucking let what for never actually got the pay-per-view and i've watched that match recently it'll be not so good not it's, good well it's just a very formulaic match between two really good wrestlers who do like they got their same like their 10 moves they both like doing yeah it's literally like kurt henning comes in acts perfect rick flair does a bunch of bouncing around shit kurt henning looks like he's gonna win kurt henning wins because it's wcw and if <laughs> you're not in the nwo you don't get to win fuck you um Art Anderson, that transitions to, you know, works in the um, the backstage area as a road agent and is continuing working with the tag teams, trying to make them better. Yeah, and I mean, he's doing a good job. I mean, everyone is he always doing says a good job? I wouldn't say he's doing a I'd say he's doing the best he can because, good God, do they not like tag teams. But Listen, man, they don't – you can't – I don't know. The perception – I don't know the reality, but the perception is basically – this company is run by a guy who's clearly in his 1989 Ronald Reagan years times the last 15. Mm-hmm. So what do you like? What are you gonna do? Your hands are tied, right? But um, a You're lot of people. You're gonna send fucking Arn Anderson in there. You're gonna give him a couple of glasses of whiskey, and he's gonna sort Vince McMahon out. He's gonna do the throat cut maneuver. I'm legit surprised that Arn Anderson hasn't held the tag titles in the last 15 years. He can't. That just he seems something. No, but that just seems like something they would do. He can't rest. He can't get in the ring. Like he's uh, like a no touch. You can't. His neck's so fucked up. That's why, like in later WCW, when he'd run in and like hit people with crowbars. Remember when WCW went through that thing where they just loved hitting people with tire irons briefly, yeah. and it was Arn Anderson doing it a lot. The reason why no one ever got vengeance on him is you can't touch him. Like he's a brittle little boy. 
Yeah. Like he was almost he was one of he couldn't feel one of his arms for like six months. Like it's like No, I understand. I'm that's I'm still surprised. Are you really still surprised? I figured he would just like it would be like Triple H because that's the thing about uh Ar- the thing about the young Anderson character that now in retrospect has been increased is for the longest time like the Spinebuster was a setup move for like Farouk, and that's it. But now that it now that Triple H kind of had more power, the thing, you know, uh, uh, for all the talk about all the bad things Triple H has done, the one thing he has done, which is very subtle, is the Spinebuster is now a legit finisher again because Triple H uses it to used it to pin people yeah. in like the mid two thousands, and then Batista whenever he would have like a whenever he would have a feud against like the Great Cali or something like that when he was champion, he would use the Spinebuster. And it, and Triple H also does the Arn Anderson spinebuster. Yeah, like, he does the turn, and he even like takes a second and flexes, and then pins the guy. The what, what and what I think is a big tribute of how many wrestlers love Arn Anderson is it's called the double A spinebuster. Yeah, which is one of the thing that AW or ECW started, which is like giving credit in the modern age and like putting a little twist on the moves and stuff like that, which yeah. I absolutely enjoy. Um, favorite Arn Anderson match. Favorite Arn Anderson match? I mean, it's, uh, it's this is awful, but it has to be the one I mentioned. The Johnny B. Bad time limit draw. It got both. Like, I mean, as a young man, when I saw that, it was the first time I ever was aware of Arn Anderson as a wrestler. Because I don't, I think I watched wrestling like sp- like sometimes when I was like five. Mm. But I really got into it we when I was like. We wouldn't have seen him when he was five. He was out of there by 90. Yeah, exactly. So I had no idea who Arn Anderson was. I don't think I watched it that early because it's kind of hard to place when I actually became a wrestling fan. But yeah, not 93 match with Johnny B. Bad. And I know that sounds weird because it's such a weird match. It's such a weird thing to notice. But that was when they were doing the time limit draws with Arn Anderson and Johnny B. Bad. Why the fuck don't they bring the time limit? I would fuck. Like a time limit. It's just a fucking good way to fucking end a match. Like, I mean, that was a really cool device they used in WCW was that it was always a 15. The TV title when it was defended on TV was a 15 minute time limit. limit. And then. On you had to buy the pay per views because that's when the TV TV time limit no longer applied. So you're gonna get a finish because usually it was like this is Arn Anderson, he's a heel, the guy's better than him, but the guy's gonna have to work for it, so we can't beat him in 15 minutes. But they would also definitely they would no they would do that for all matches. They would announce like time limit like 15 minute time limit, 10 minute time limit because they know that there's another Johnny V Bad match that goes to a 10 minute draw. Yeah. Uh, with this, who the fuck I don't can't it's on Halloween Havoc. It's a device they use all the time, which would be so useful now if you're trying to just eke it towards being a more legitimate-looking thing. Yeah. Introducing that. Another thing you can also do is introduce the ref's power. If you watch a lot of Arn Anderson, you were talking about this off mic, where Regal keeps complaining to the referee that he's hurting his ear, that Arn Anderson's er uh, hurting William Regal's ear. Yeah. And the referee is just kind of stunned. Like, increasing the referee's power where he's, he's something that the wrestlers can go to with legitimate complaints. Oh, for sure. Everyone should have it. Like, it sounds weird, but everyone should have a character on television. Like, it shouldn't just be a referee. Yeah. Like, the thing about, and that sounds weird again, with the UFC, the thing about the UFC is you know the referees, so you know, like, okay, this referee will stop it early. Yeah. This referee will let it go long. This referee is straight up shit. And this referee will go to market all the way home. Exactly. So, but if you introduce the referees like that, like if some guy, when you even a little touch, guys disqualified, some guy will just let everything going. One mm-hmm. guy hate, one guy doesn't believe in countouts, and then you have almost like guys vying to get a referee in. Like you can just you can have a, such a deep story. But anyway, like and that's and that's another thing that happened in the, in the Wyndham match I watched was Art Anderson 
is so mad at Wyndham. Uh, punching, punching, punching. He's finally like gonna win the title. Is the basically the thing where he just keeps getting two counts and going that close to Wyndham, like looking him in the eyes and being like, "I'm that fucking close to beating you." Mm. And then he has him on the ropes. Uh, the referee calls for like a break, stop punching him mm-hmm. when it looks like he's down. Arn pushes the ref and then goes like, "Holy fuck, don't disqualify me!" And he's basically like, he's like the ref's like looking at him like, you "Shouldn't have fucking done that." And then he's like, "Just don't disqualify me, don't disqualify me." The ref turns his head and like kind of like rubs his head for like, "Oh fuck." Wyndham takes that, hits him on the title, wins. You know, right? So it's just like that that little that little psychology stuff. And Arn Anderson was a real like. In this in this cartoon era of, of people like the early '90s, uh, he was like a real wrestler. He just real. He was a real person. Yeah, he was the, the only, re- and that's what set him apart from all the people. Was the brainbusters gimmick in the WWF was two gentlemen who want to fight. <laughs> it's like we're gonna work the the leg. Yeah, they told the leg story when telling a leg story was what you did, and they made it stand out. Somehow. Yeah, they fucking told the story of the fucking elephants Gerald with that kneecap. <laughs> and Tully's on cocaine and Arn's looking for Rick and they're unsure about the finish and James J. Dillon's from Delaware and he works as a corrections officer now and Arn's a drunk again don't worry he won't be vomiting Art Arn just pushed mom <laughs> um. All right. So, best thing about Arn Anderson, uh, his the growth of his character in what in wrestling terms is a short amount of time because you go from eighty five to ninety five. Look how many times. Look at all the subtle changes in the way he wrestles. Not the writing. You can't talk about the writing because it was WCW. But the way subtle changes in the way he works, and that. That what you say, like the heart, you gotta beat. You're gonna beat this guy, but you, you gotta work for it. That whole booking mm-hmm. of him, right? Yes. And the worst thing about Arn Anderson, I think, is just, um, what would you even say? I uh, I would say the worst. I mean, just the them not, them continually making him like you can call him the enforcer. But I think it's just a missed opportunity with making him like a, like a very sympathetic babyface amongst all these like really ripped guys. Like the fact that he would go into matches with Luger, and he's a much better wrestler than Luger in every single fucking way possible. But and it, but it's and it's harder to be the heel. Like the heel adds the color to the match. All the babyface has to do is pump up in that time. Mm-hmm. But I just think like him not being the underdog baby face like take no shit underdog likable baby face for a long time was a missed thing i do i do think that but that's but that's just like completely subjective and that's because i like as far as the way as the man as a performer in every single way he was like as perfect as you could get and he was a very defined character there's really nothing wrong with him other than me having to get all fucking shitty fantasy booker internet guy the only way i could also find a negative with him is if i'm a big shitty fantasy booker which is i think that a real missed opportunity even though they sort of did it which was a rick flair arn anderson feud which is legitimate and built of like rick flair has kept this guy in the shadow yeah for fucking 10 years and he's coming out 
and it, it would have legit I think could have legitimized him as a actual contender for the world champion chip it would have legitimized him as a fucking badass it would have just been a much more interesting way to approach it and it would have given me a big fucking boner <laughs> but that's what you could have done you could have done yeah you could have done the uh southern you could have done the fucking southern everyman champion for like a year with Arn Anderson but you weren't they weren't going to do that as the face of WCW no i understand that but you have that's like again, a that's like a to, that's a that doesn't that's a again he's a guy who doesn't need a belt and if you put him with a strong person that's going to that they have a backstory, a la Ric Flair, you don't need a championship in that match. It's it's a it writes itself. And the way that they ended it, which was that it was a whole ruse to get Sting to start up the fucking Four Horsemen again. Who gives a fuck? If it was a legitimately built throughout, yeah, I remember that being like one of the other first cop outs. Yeah, that was one of the first times WCW booked me into not watching, which I was like, I was in career. I think I'm like nine, yeah, no, eight or nine. We would have been. How old was? No, that wasn't ninety four. Then that was ninety. Three. No, it was ninety four. It was a. It was. It was right before Hogan. That came? was as Hogan. Uh, Hogan was there. Hogan okay. Was there. That, that, when it happened was. Oh yeah, because they needed it anyway. But the fall brawl. That that would have been ninety five. I I just remember it being like, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense of why you would do it that way. And it's again, it's one of those things where it would also bring fans back because people who aren't watching it now. But we're watching it in the 80s and being like, well, fucking Ric Flair and Arn Anderson are now fighting. Yeah. I'm going to watch that pay-per-view in the same way that Hulk Hogan going in a retirement match with Ric Flair spiked the buy rate huge. Because everyone who was a Hulk Hogan fan or grew up hearing about Hulk Hogan were like, this could be his last, last match. I got to fucking watch it. That would be my biggest flaw with him. All in all, really fucking enjoy him. Also, if you What's the best laugh, thing about Arn Anderson? Probably his face during the Four Horsemen Hall of Fame speech when Ric Flair talks about fucking a lot of women and then keeps pointing <laughs> at his kids. And he has <laughs> what I would just call as no more friendship eyes. <laughs> like he's literally behind him. Like you can just see him being like, for fuck's sake. Like, like he, just, he, he just wants to look at his hands. Like the amount of times I've had to shoo away women from this fucking financial typhoon yeah. who's in the middle of a lawsuit to come back here after going to another company to keep wrestling because he just keeps throwing money at pussy yeah. like it solves a drinking problem like he's just you can just see it he's just like fuck this guy fuck him that's so funny you gotta watch it's on youtube and it, it's subtle because they've edited it but you used to be able to find the original footage because they aired it live somewhere or it's like a it's a camcorder thing because it's Ric Flair's like yelling shit during Arn's portion of the speech because those two are allowed to speak, and Rick like Arn's like, you know, uh, this is a big honor for me and like being very humble and like Rick, but tell him about St. Louis, Arn. Tell him about, like you know he's just like, would you shut the fuck up? My wife is here and my wife was not in St. Louis when I was fist deep in the McGuire twins. <laughs> so fucking ex nay on Miss Texas a like it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. I love him. That's great. That's yeah. so fucking great. But uh, that's been the episode. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, you can tweet at us at the John Hastings at the Dylan Gott. No, wait, at Dylan Gott. How did I add the <laughs> Dylan Gott? Dylan Gott. Dylan Gott. Dylan. Dylan. Dylan Gott. Dylan Gott. Dylan Gott. We have a website which is, and we have Twitter which is. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Please, please listen. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. What another stellar episode we've done. Right, Dylan? 
Yes, no meandering whatsoever. Yeah, very much on point. Now, let's get back to the important business at hand. You want to read about us, you can go to our website, which is... Angelfire.TheWrestlerReview.com Real. That's a real thing. Go sign our guest book. We have a weather page. You can see what the weather's like <laughs> in one city. Which city? London. Good. And okay. then you can follow us on Twitter at the John Hastings. At Dylan Gott, D-Y-L-A-N-G-O, double up that T. And we're going to create one for the show called The Wrestler Review. We already have. I for- always forget that we have that Twitter account already. Follow the show on Twitter at The Wrestler Review. We'll retweet the thing so we- just follow us it's all nebulous anyway i love all of you i love you as people and as lovers we are all one we are ouroboros we are a human centipede this stings too long